Um, really is wonderful to gather together um, in the name of the Lord uh, and for us to worship together, but then also to spend time in the Word um, and to see how the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. Uh, just a real sense uh, through prayer and conversations with Josh and just prepping for today, uh, just the Lord wanting to remind us about the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, uh, I mean, it's God, so I'm not going to cover the Holy Spirit in 30 minutes, um, but we will give it a shot uh, and just try and share with us uh, what the Lord is wanting to say to us cool. um, this morning. So let's open our hearts. Um, you may have some whacked out theories about what the Holy Spirit is from past experiences uh, or past teachings, uh, but today what we want to do is look at the scriptures and say, God, help us to understand the Holy Spirit, uh, that we may see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and working through us. Um, and we want to see uh, what it is that God has to say to us this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, Ephesians 4, please. You can open up at Ephesians 4. Very well-known passage of Scripture or book in the Bible. Um, and so for those who are not acquainted with Ephesians, the first three chapters, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's trying to remind them of who Christ is and who they are in Christ and so from chapter 4 onwards, he says, therefore, because of who you are in Christ and because of who Christ is, therefore, there's a certain outworking that he expects of our lives. And so we're going to be looking at that today, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse, starting at verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive, and he gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What for? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him, as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another, as we heard last week. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up their stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Heavenly Father, as we read your word this morning, I pray that you would bring life to us. I pray that this would not be condemning. I pray that this would not take our eyes off of you and move us into a place of us trying to achieve salvation or earn our way to you, but that by the grace of your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to live the lives that you've called us to live, to be the body of Christ, and to help us to do that this morning, we ask in your name. Amen. So our current culture um, fights and tries to convince us um, about relativism, and so everyone can have their own truth, right, that uh, everyone can believe what they want and just let everybody believe their thing and everything is relative, truth is relative. Um, it tries to teach us about individualism, that you are the center of the universe, that your life is about your happiness and about you achieving your own goals. Uh, it also wants to teach us about secularism, that we separate God from the rest of life, that God is some thing that some people are allowed to believe in, but let it not impact uh, life that you actually live and this reality that we live on this planet. Um, and we know that uh, that's not the gospel, that that's not the, the message and the way of life that God is calling us as Christians to be and to live, but that he has created this incredibly beautiful community called the church, where there is one truth in Christ, where we live as a body, it's not about just ourselves, and that's this living and walking by the Spirit. We don't just leave here on a Sunday and get on with life for the rest of the week, but that we walk by the Spirit. And so it's in complete contrast and opposition to the way that God wants us to live life. And so we get that taught to us in schools, we get that through the media, we get everything in this world wants to teach us ways that are contrary to the Lord. But His Word wants to bring us life, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring the life of God into these new creations for those of us who've put our trust and our faith in Jesus. And so we have this beautiful thing called the church, which we spoke a bit about gifts last week, uh, but just had a sense this morning just to remind ourselves that the gifts themselves are not the thing, but the Holy Spirit, God, who is the giver of these gifts, is the one that we need to keep our eye on. And so Jesus is building his church on the gospel about him, right? He says, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, some are prophets. And he said to them, okay, that's cool, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, 
son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so as we see God working through liberty and uh, taking us into the season that he's taking us into, we need to remember that Jesus is at the center of all of this, right? He's building his church, and he's building his church on the life, death, and resurrection of himself. That's what the church is built on. We can so quickly move our attention to spiritual gifts. We can move our attention to great teaching. We can move our attention to many things. Wonderful fellowship and life group. And God's saying these things are important and they really are the foundations or or building blocks of a church. But the very core of who we are, what makes us the church, is Jesus. And may we, as God takes us into our different callings and different futures and different giftings, may we never lose that. May we never take our eyes off of our first love, Jesus. And it really does happen quickly, right? We get on with the good things of the Lord. We get on with the ministries He's called us to. Next thing we look back, we haven't spoken to the Lord for weeks, but we feel like we're serving Him. And I think God's just gently reminding us this morning that all of this, this beauty that we see in this community, and as I thought about this church this week, just thinking of all the evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in all of us and how beautiful it is, we could honestly talk for weeks about all that the Lord has done in this community, he just put a reminder in my mind that actually Jesus is at the center of all of this. Let us never forget that. That Jesus is building his church, but he's building it upon himself, this gospel message. That people need to come and meet with him to be saved. That they would have an eternity with him. This isn't for us just to go, what a lovely church. Let's see how gifts operate. How wonderful. We move on. And there's billions of people who never get to meet Jesus. He is the center of all that we're doing in this gospel message. And so the Holy Spirit at the center of this gospel message as well, that Jesus didn't come, die, go to heaven and say, I'll catch you when I return. What did he say? He says, I'm not going to leave you orphaned, right? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit because you can't do this without him. You've tried for thousands of years to obey the law. You've tried to work your way into the holy of holies and none of it's worked except the empowering and the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so all, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit. So talking about these spiritual gifts and uh, Christians who are operating in all that the Lord has called them to. But he allots to each one individually as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But the reminder for us is that we're united in Christ. He is what makes us one. And I think it's a, it's a sad but good, just the multitude of churches that the Lord has happened to use to reach this world is a good thing. But as you start seeing all the churches gather together and begin to discuss doctrine, you realize just how divided we are as a church, right? And that's not what God's saying. He's like, you're supposed to be one body. You're my body. Why is there so much division? And I think it's because we take our eyes off of the fact that Jesus is actually at the center of all of this. All of our doctrines, all of our understandings, all of our ministries, everything we do in service of the Lord should be done in unity with him as the head. 
But we run ahead of him. We, we think we've got it. We're doing well for a bit. So we run ahead and do our thing. And next thing we look back and Baptists are over there. The Anglicans are over there. Us non-denominational people are over there. And God's like, I mean, it's good. It's good that there's so many expressions. But I'm sure there's elements of the Lord's heart that's just going, you know, unity, people, unity. And for those who've lived long enough in any town, you recognize and realize just the divisions in the local churches, right? Everyone fighting for their ground. These people are in our congregation, not yours. Well, actually, they're in Jesus' congregation, and, you know, where they want to meet is fine. We're one church. And so for us, as we continue and move forward, and as the Lord moves us and plants new churches and uses us to expand his kingdom, it's good for us to remember that Jesus is the one who unites us, and the other churches are not our opposition. We're not in competition with them. We want to labor with them. We want to labor and link arms together and move forward in the Helderberg, in the power of the Spirit, but in unity in Christ. And so Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, right? That's how he builds his church. He wants us united, but the only way we're going to do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whether you believe in the Holy Spirit or not is actually not as important because Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's going to work. The Holy Spirit's at work. Whether Baptists believe in cessationism, that the Holy Spirit has stopped moving, or whether we uh, charismatics believe that the Holy Spirit's rocking and rolling and working through His church, it's irrespective. God's going to do what He does, right? But when Paul says, I don't want you to be naive about the spiritual gifts, and I want you to understand the teachings around the Holy Spirit, surely he's saying that in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, we can be more effective. We can see Jesus building his church, and rather than us fighting against him, we can labor with him. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather labor with the Lord. To have his hand resisting us is a very difficult place to live. And I'd much rather say, God, I just want to know everything you want us to know, and I just want to get on with all that you have for us. We don't want to fight for our own little kingdom. We're not trying to build our own little church. This is your church. You've established us, and so we're saying, God, lead us by your Holy Spirit. But it is by the Holy Spirit, which is what's important. And so how is Jesus creating and building this church by the Holy Spirit? We see in the first seven verses, I therefore the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort, how and what, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us, and Jesus builds his church, number one, through unity. Through unity. And I think that's why it grieves him so much to see such division within the local church. And so as God builds this church, one of the things I'm asking us to fight for is unity. Am I asking for us all to believe exactly the same thing? No, I'm not. Am I asking us to agree with whatever the elders say and no opposition? No, I'm not. What I am asking is that as we find ourselves digging into the Word, as we find ourselves praying together, as we find ourselves in fellowship together, that we would trust the Holy Spirit to bind us in unity. That we're, we're not following a thousand different religions here. We're following Jesus. 
And as we all set our eyes on Him, we would be united. Since the moment we take our eyes off of Him and think we're getting on with ministries, we can go a thousand different directions. But if we keep our eyes on Him, His teachings, His Word, His people, His gifts, He begins to draw us in unity. And one of the ministries that the Lord has given His church is the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that right from the start, the work of sin is to bring division. Firstly, division between man and God, and secondly, division between man, woman, man, man, the church. And so the devil is rampantly at work, even within the local church, bringing division. We've got to say, Holy Spirit, you've got to help us with this thing, because the devil's pretty smart. He really is. He even used the scriptures against Jesus. And I mean, when I first read those, I was like, yeah, Jesus, jump off. That'd be pretty awesome. And she's like, no, no, no. Do not test the Lord. Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. The devil's very smart. He's got thousands of years advantage over us. He's been around a long time. And he wants to bring division as his number one tool to break apart this beautiful body that Jesus is trying to build. And so can I ask us to be a people who strive for unity, whatever the cost? And unity comes at a cost, right? Reconciliation comes at a cost. means laying down our own egos, our own pride, and counting others more important than ourselves. That's not easy. Don't know about you, but that is not easy. And so we're going to need the Holy Spirit to empower us for that, right? God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, help us to be a people who seek unity by the power of your Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit empowers unity. And so if we are to be a unified people, we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus builds his church with Spirit-empowered gifts, which we spoke about last week, so I'm not going to go into detail about that. Um, But Ephesians also says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 12, what for? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. So God has given you a specific gift in order to help this body stay unified in Christ. How cool is that? Holy Spirit empowers you with a gift to keep us unified. Because if everyone was like me, we'd be going on one super tangent, right? But then the Lord gives us Matt, who brings balance, right? Because Matt and I, we argue a lot. But it's a good thing. Not true. Bless you, Matt. Bless you. But it's a good thing. Because if it was just one of us, we'd be going in one particular direction. But the Lord has given all of us. And so any gifts that don't bring their gift is going to cause us to slowly shift into some kind of a direction that God does not intend for us. And so just a double click on last week to encourage you to bring your gift. It is Holy Spirit given, and it's going to create unity amongst us if you bring your gift. No more on that. You can go and um, 
Actually, the preach wasn't recorded, but I'll upload, I'll upload my notes. Thirdly, how Jesus builds his church with the Holy Spirit is through spirit-empowered, this is a tough one, Christ-likeness. Spirit-empowered Christ-likeness. Verse 17, now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him. As truth is in Jesus, you were taught to put away your former ways of life. And it's not just the way you do stuff, but your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The gift of the Holy Spirit given to believers is as much a part of the gospel message as Jesus' sacrifice. Because without the Holy Spirit, Jesus' sacrifice would have no long-term impact in our lives. Because we need God, right, to be created. We need God for salvation. But we need God to remain saved. We need Him. We, We just cannot do this thing by ourselves. And so the Holy Spirit is as important for us in our continued walk as Jesus' death on the cross. Because it's God. There's, there's no disconnect there. And so for us to become like Christ, which is the, why, the reason God made us, right? To be obedient to God and to live lives like Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. And so many of us would have been saved, come into a church, and then taught how to change our lives. That's not what the Scripture is saying. What the Scriptures are saying is that our lives need to change But we don't change our lives by changing our lives. We change our lives by getting the Holy Spirit, by submitting ourselves to God, by finding ourselves dependent upon Him for change, being yoked to Jesus, that He would do the changing. That's why it's called grace. It's given to us. It's empowering for us. And it's such a subtle shift for us, right? You know those weeks when there's just something you're trying to change in your life and you get to the end of it and you're just exhausted? You know those weeks. It's because we've had a slight subtle shift of dependence upon God and we begin to try and operate and get ourselves saved. We try and change the things in our lives by our own efforts and that just never works. It never does. Leaves us tired, leaves us disappointed and this gospel doesn't work. But actually God's saying, I think you've just taken your eyes off of me. You're trying to do this alone. You've unyoked yourself and you're trying to carry this load. You're trying to carry this burden. Now, part of the kindness of God is that it's not just this invisible thing that you, that you uh, yoke yourself to, but actually the people around you. How many people in this room have helped you through some of your burdens, have helped you carry some of your load, because it's the body of Christ? But it's keeping our mind and our attention on the fact that we can't do this thing alone. The gifts that God has placed in you are by His Holy Spirit, by His grace, which empower us to put off the old self and put on the new. So it doesn't become condemning to us. It becomes, I want to be like Jesus. Anyone here want to be like Jesus? You do. We want to be like Christ, but we can't do it by ourselves. And the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we will never become like Jesus. Never. We'll become like the Pharisees, 
They knew all of this stuff better than we do. They knew the scriptures better than we do. But the day will come when, when they come before the Lord and he says to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't want those words said to me, right? I really don't. I'd much rather hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I really would rather hear that. But it's not because we've taken on the load and tried to do it ourselves. It's because we're yoked to the Spirit. It's because we're yoked to Christ. All of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as they're reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. That's where our change comes from. The Spirit. And so if there is stuff in our lives that doesn't change, it's because the Holy Spirit either has determined that the time is not now, or we're trying to do those changes without Him. Can you remember back to the moment that you recognized your need for Jesus and you gave your life to Him? Can you remember that day? It's like the Twin Towers, right? You remember where you were. Do you recognize or remember anything in your life that changed just like that? In a moment. For me, it was, I had a very foul mouth. Very, very foul. In that moment, the Lord cleansed me of that. He was incredibly kind. But there's other stuff that for years and years and years, the Lord has been at work, changing me from one degree of glory to another, but it's a slow and steady dependence and walk with the Holy Spirit. And so it's both. For some of us, wouldn't you rather just be like Jesus now? Just, Lord, please, just make it all go away. But in his kindness, he's keeping us dependent upon him. That we would never present ourselves before him and go, Lord, look how amazing I am. We're going to get before him and go, Lord, look how amazing you are. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for walking with me. As we become these new creations, putting off our old self, putting on our new selves, let us not ever try to do this alone. It is the Holy Spirit that is the gift given to his church in order for us to become like Christ. We need him. And lastly, the way that Jesus is building his church is through spirit-empowered life of love. A spirit-empowered life of love. None of us, as nice as you are, would live a life of love if it was not for the Lord. None of us. We have our moments where we, you know, just love overflows and we're just so super selfless. But that's very short-lived. It is through this continued walk with the Holy Spirit that we begin to live lives of love. That is the gospel message. That our lives would become lives of love, not secularized lives of love in this church Sunday meeting when we arrive here and then we just get on with our foul mouth living outside of these walls but that we take this life of love out with us and continue to live that into the world. Verse 25, So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, than la- rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. It's not just thieves stop stealing. Change your life so that you can actually be generous. Switch it around. Let no evil talk come from your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Chapter 5 continues and says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but rather be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord to the Lord in your hearts. That's the life of love that God wants us to be walking. Not that we always, you know, like um, sound of music. No, but within us, that our hearts are singing to the Lord continually. Our kids have just started watching all those old movies, so that was fresh in my mind. But that in our hearts, we would have this propensity towards joy in the Lord. Certain one of our children, I won't mention them, that wakes up very grumpy in the morning. You have to keep reminding them, you know, just go put a smile on your face. Just, you know, you're allowed to be happy. It's all right. I think for many of us as Christians, we've gotten very grumpy in the Lord. Life just hasn't worked out our way, but that's the whole point of the gospel. It's not our way. There is no longer our way. And I think that's what makes us grumpy. We try to live it our way. And God's saying, you know what? Just forget this life. Lay it down. Kill it. And I'm going to give you far more than you could ever have dreamed of. I'm going to give you a life of love. In the true sense of what that means. To become like Christ. And part of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Joy. Surely there's got to be joy amongst us. And this is a joyful community. It really is. Um, I remember many years ago, Michael Eaton um, came and spent, I don't know if you know him, Michael Eaton, he's a great theologian who went to be with the Lord. Um, but he was concerned about South Africans' levels of joy. He was like, mm, I think I might be teaching on a, a disrespect to the Lord. Um, but the reality is if the Holy Spirit is at work in us as a people, there should be elements of joy. There really should be. Doesn't mean we don't suffer. Doesn't mean there won't be persecutions. That's promised. But that we can endure these things with joy and enjoying one another. And joy doesn't, isn't just this deep inner joy. It's got to express itself, right? We're allowed to smile. We're allowed to enjoy things. We're allowed to enjoy one another and be happy. That's what God is creating. A people who, amidst their struggles and challenges, can be a joyful people. But it only comes when the Holy Spirit's truly at work in us. We can't muster that stuff up. It only lasts so long. So grumpy face can't just put on a smile. Something's actually got to change. And that alone is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a Spirit-led worship. And so the times when we do sing here, just for me at least, I don't know about you, but just getting a real sense in this church of this is a real heart for worship. Really loving the Lord. doesn't feel like we're putting it on. Um, I was going to mention something about the sun, but this week, God willing, Monique has managed to make it happen that the, the sun will no longer be glaring in our eyes. So may that happen. But as we do look this way, that the glory of the Lord would shine upon us as we worship Him. It's just such a joy for me to see the joy in this people as we worship God. True hearts of worship. Not trying to put it on, not like, well, people are watching, I suppose I better sing. But it's actually, Lord, you're so worthy. 
Your spirit should work in us as a people. We celebrate him. He's a God to be celebrated. And I don't know if he's that to you. But if any of what I'm saying is just like, that's very foreign to me. You need a work of the Holy Spirit to change your heart, to change your view and your mind of who God is. Because the devil wants to wreak havoc in, in helping us and making us think that God is just this God who wants to crush. He's not. He was God who wants to give life and give it abundantly. And there is life in this church, and it is abundant. And so I don't read this to correct us. I read it actually to celebrate this community. That this is what the Lord has done in us. But this needs to multiply. This needs to go out. This needs to move into the world. That the world would see this Jesus. Not isolating themselves. Making life all about themselves. Separating church from life. But actually walking with God. In unity with others around them. With people that we don't live in isolation. And taking this gospel message to our workplaces and to our families. My prayer is that God continue to do this. Gordon Fee says, when we're living like that, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, this will mean not the exaltation of the Spirit. So when we focus on the Spirit being at work in us, it's not the exaltation, so praise you, Holy Spirit, but it's the exaltation of God. And it will mean focus not on the Spirit as such, but on the Son, crucified and risen, Savior and Lord of all. Ethical life, will be neither narrowly individualistically imagined nor legalistically expressed, but will be joyously communal and decidedly over against the world's present trinity of relativism, secularism, and individualism with their thoroughly dehumanizing results. And the proper Trinitarian aim of such ethics will be Paul's own aim to the glory of God through being conformed to the image of the Son by the empowering of the Spirit. Recapturing the dynamic life of the Spirit will also entail the renewal of the charismata, the gifts, not for the sake of being charismatic, but for the building up of the people of God, for the life together in this very, very challenging world. And we get to do that together. And I can't think of a better bunch of people that I would love to do life with. God has been incredibly kind to us. He really, really has. And I'm really grateful and joyful for all that he has done. Josh spoke this morning of this deer that longs for streams of water. Um, A whole other preach is about longing for the Holy Spirit. Um, Like I said, there's so much to preach about the Holy Spirit. But my hope is that just reading and looking at the Spirit this morning would have built up a yearning in us for him. For God to be at work more in us. And so you might have a desire for greater ministry effectiveness. It's not a bad desire. Perhaps seeing more salvations in your world around you. Perhaps you have a desire for to become a powerful preacher. Not a bad thing. Perhaps you have a desire to operate more of the gifts of the Spirit through you. Perhaps you want to see more healing around you. Perhaps you're hungry for courage to share the gospel more in your workplace or with your family. Perhaps you're hungry to understand the scriptures more. I just want to, I really want to understand what the Lord is trying to say to us through his word. Perhaps you're hungry for more freedom from sin in your life. Those snares that so easily entangle us. Perhaps you're hungry for strength to endure persecution that you're currently going through. 
Perhaps you're hungry to stop being so affected by criticism. Perhaps you're hungry to grow in the ability to genuinely and truly love others. Perhaps you're hungry for the fruit of the Spirit to be more evident in you. Perhaps you are hungry to break free from guilt that the Lord has already forgiven you in, yet you can't let go of that guilt. Perhaps you're hungry to believe more in the power of the Word of God. It's one thing to hear it, but to see it actually applied to our lives. Perhaps you're hungry to be a better parent, better husband, better wife. Perhaps you're hungry for your partner to recognize you and to enter into your world and not just their own. Perhaps you're hungry to experience God's love for you. Because it is experiential. It's not just theoretical. But all of these things are side effects. They're consequences of truly hungering for the Holy Spirit and for God himself. That's what we hunger for. He is that stream that the deer pants for. All of these other things are the effects of God at work in our lives. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you the advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, says Jesus. I am coming to you. And then... Lastly, from Acts. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents or signs in in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. May you have a growing hunger for the Holy Spirit this week. There is one takeaway for us that in all that you do this week, I want to ask you to focus on the Holy Spirit and ask him to empower you for whatever that thing is that you're doing. Any moment that there's a struggle or something that you're trying to achieve in the Lord or minister in or any challenge, one thing we're doing this week is going to turn our attention to God and say, Lord, would you empower me by your Holy Spirit? You're building your church, and I can't do this without your Holy Spirit. Would you empower me for this very moment and to believe him for that? Can we do that? We're not taking away some great theological mission that you can like, ah, just this is what I learned on Sunday. What we're walking away with is actually just turning our eyes to God and saying, God, I, I just don't have what I need here. I don't, I don't have it. I need you today. I need you right now. And we're going to practically walk out this week with the Holy Spirit. And it's not going to be fireworks. Maybe there will be. But, you know, some of this work is just the deep internal happening through us. And it happens in your like, oh, I was expecting fireworks, but the Lord's done it. The Lord has done his work. So can we expect that and trust him for that? Heavenly Father, as we go our way, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that this is not just theoretical. We thank you that we are not just coming to a lecture, but that we are coming to meet with the living God. And we want to walk away from here 
taking on your encouragement to ask for the Holy Spirit and to believe. You were so practical in your walking with your disciples, Lord. This was not theoretical stuff. It was incredibly practical. And you said to them, if a, father, if a son asks his father for a fish, would he give him a snake? If he asked for bread, would he give him a stone? And us being evil, we know how to be parents, to give our children what's good for them. And you said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You are more important to us, Holy Spirit, than bread, than food. It is not by bread alone that we shall live, but by the word of God. And so as we go this week, Lord, would our eyes be set on you, Holy Spirit? Would we trust you to ask you for your help? Would we trust you to guide us? Would we trust you to help us to put off the old self? Would we trust you to form us into the image of Jesus? For those of us who have legally and tried to, through legalism, do this thing, would you lift that off of them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you take that load off, Lord? Would you free your people? And would you yoke them to Jesus? Lord, for those of us who have a tendency to ignore you through the week and just have our eyes turned back to you on the weekend, I ask this week, would you keep our eyes set on you? Holy Spirit, would you continue to prompt us? Would you hound us to be with you, to speak with you, to fellowship with you? Lord, your people love you. Your people want to become like you. Your people want to walk in obedience to you. And so as we leave this place, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, build this church into a community of believers who live in love for one another and live in love for the community around them. We submit ourselves to you. We stop living for ourselves. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In your precious name we pray. Amen.